Hi there. Welcome to this episode of the His Hill Podcast. Today we're going to be visiting with a friend of mine. His name is Kevin Martin. Kevin is not new on staff, but for a lot of alumni, he'll be pretty new. Kevin, how long have you been here? This is our sixth year here at okay. His Hill. Yeah, that's all. I guess you actually came on staff right as I was leaving. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, what's your What's your position here? I am the field rep for the school slash assistant camp director during the summertime. All right. So have absolutely nothing to do then is what you're saying. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's a great position. Oh, my goodness. that's That sounds like one of the busier jobs here. Um, Kevin was a student of mine. I knew Kevin a little bit before he became a student because his parents attended the same church as as we did and uh, and as we do now that we're back in Texas. And uh, we, we kind of got to know each other, not really well, but we kind of got to know each other. Then he ended up being a student, and then I got, really got to know him and really appreciate him. I'm thankful that the Lord has him here on staff. I think he's in the right place. Of course he is because the Lord has him here, but sometimes it just is obvious to us. The Lord allows us to see things. And his family is precious. We just uh, love having them here and, uh, and uh, like to see them as they interact with the students. Uh, Kevin, because you know this is a new thing we're doing here with the podcast, and one of the reasons we're doing it is we want alumni that are from years past before you were here uh, to get an opportunity to get to know you, so that uh, we're, we're so that we give them a, a chance to reconnect with the ministry to know what's going on here. And so, with that in in mind, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your past? Tell us about your childhood. Sure, I I think one of the biggest things is that I'm adopted. I was adopted with my twin sister from Hawaii. Mm. And for for me, for her, I, I think we look back on it and just really see God's grace in mm. our life to, to bring us uh, to a family that, that loves the Lord. I We were born into a family where my, my mother, she was not mentally stable. We had a father, my biological father, who once he found out that my mother was pregnant, wanted nothing to do with us or mm. my mother, oh uh, my. abandoned her. And so my mother was left with, with a whole lot of nothing. But I think at that point in her life, she she realized God's grace, whether she knew it or not, but uh, God's grace to provide and okay. provide for her, uh, provide for us, provide a place, uh, a church for her to go to and get connected to my parents, who would go on to foster us and then eventually uh, adopt us. Oh, wow. Wow, I didn't know that. So do you actually know your, your biological mother? I've never met her. I've seen, I think, maybe two pictures I, I have of her. And, and my father, of course, uh, didn't want anything to do with us, so I've never met him. I have tried to contact both, okay, but un, unsuccessfully. Okay, all right. Just my curiosity, were you actually born in Hawaii? Yes. Okay. All right. I didn't. I didn't know that either. Um, so go on. Tell us about you know being adopted and growing up and just just your journey. I think yeah. Too going back to the adoption, it was even a miracle that we were born. My my sister and I we were premature. Oh. So I think it was like two months or something. We weighed two pounds nothing. Wow. When we were born, uh, we're hooked up to a whole bunch of tubes and had breathing problems. Uh, my sister had a little bleeding on the brain. So it's just a miracle that the Lord uh, even brought us in and allowed us to, to survive that. Wow. And then uh, to be uh, brought up in foster care for, for a little bit and adopted by my parents was also another miracle. Just God using uh, a bad situation, I think, with my mother and my, my biological father uh, but for his good, and mm. to bring us into a family that that knew him, that loved him, and, and allow us to be a part of that. Uh, it was a big blessing for, for us. One of the greatest blessings that I look back on is that we were raised in, in a Christian home. Mm. And I know a lot of people look back and think, well, my my life is, is boring. I was born uh, to a pastor's family or something like that. But I, I look back on it and think, Lord, thank you for, for that. Uh, you didn't have to do that. If not, I would probably be somewhere either in Hawaii, Japan, and maybe not know the Lord as early as I, I did with this mm. family. Uh, but he did, and he allowed us to be a part of his, uh, part of a family that, that knew him. How old were you when you were adopted? We were, I think, 18 months okay. when we were adopted. So that's really 
uh, my parents that I had, my mom and dad, Glenn and Wendy Martin, were, were all that I really knew as mom and, and dad. Okay. Well, praise the Lord. That's, you know, that, that, that's, in, that's incredible. And, and I appreciate, you know, your testimony of seeing that that's, that's God's provision, you know, his hand in all of that. And I think so often it's, it's easy for us to, to miss that, even as believers, to just miss that, you know, that, that, that God is in control and he's caring for us. I appreciate that. Okay, so uh, you uh, did you grow up in Hawaii? We were there for five-ish years, Okay, I think, before my, my dad decided uh, he wanted to leave the island, wanted to leave the nice temperatures and the beach <laughs> to come to Texas. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I, I thank God for that. Um, he, at the time, actually had cancer and uh, or had just gotten over cancer and his mm. thinking was we need to get back to to at least his family my mom's from canada so it's still a long ways from her family but back to at least some family okay and so we moved back to a small smaller town called colleyville up in the dallas fort worth area and eventually made our our way to east texas okay which was really crazy really different for me my my mom said and again this this is just something i think that speaks of them and their love for us in that I, I really didn't know I was adopted. And, and the first thing I said after we got out of the plane in Texas was, Mom, why does everybody look like you? <laughs> so. Now, because we're this is audio, not visual, people may not understand the humor in that question. So you might want to explain why you thought that was so different. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. By birth, I mean, I was born in Hawaii, but my, my heritage, uh, my background, my mom is, is Japanese. And my, my father's half Japanese and Italian. And growing up in Hawaii, there's islanders. There were a lot of Asian people there. Yeah. And so my, my sister and I, uh, both Japanese heritage. So coming to Texas was a little bit of a, a shock, I guess, for us, th- yeah. seeing uh, a whole bunch of people that look a lot different than what we were used to. Okay. Well, that And that's understandable, especially, you know, being so young. Uh, now, your dad had an interesting job. What, what, what was he doing? For most of his life, he worked for the FBI right. as a special agent, and that would include anything from homicides to grand theft auto to uh, drug dealers and, and arresting them. So he dealt with a lot of dealt with a lot of bad people his his whole life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and and uh, Glenn uh, was a was a really neat man. I had the privilege of knowing him. Uh, he passed away, and we'll talk about that some some more. Uh, a little later, but uh, how many years has it been now? It's 2018. Okay. All right. So, uh, okay, so you said your mom's from Canada. Your dad uh, is from Texas, grew up in Texas. Yes, from Texas. Uh, okay, and uh, he was an FBI agent, so he was moved around some. Uh, th- now, when when you moved to Texas, did you stay here? Yes, that that's uh, where he retired. He retired oh, okay. in in East Texas in a small town called Lufkin. Okay, yeah, I know Lufkin. Okay, okay. So, uh, growing up uh, in in this family, did you have other siblings? I did. Uh, besides my twin sister, after we were adopted, my parents actually had two two more kids. Oh, really? So, yeah, my younger brothers, John and and Peter. Uh, which again, if you saw them, you and, and they say they always introduce. Themselves and they say, "Well, this is my brother Kevin," and then and people laugh. And like, ah, that's funny because they look totally different. They're uh, John's. I don't know. He's about five eleven, and I don't, they're both look Texan, right? Yeah, and, right. And they see me and they're like, "That's funny that they aren't your brothers," but they're like, "Yeah, he's he's my brother." Yeah, I didn't realize you were the older one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that's um, something that I just realized because one of your brothers was also a student here, Peter. Yes. Yeah. And so I I, I knew Peter, uh, but. Uh, but never realized that you were the older one. Okay. And still, I don't know if it's because of ethnicity or what, still you do not look your age and you don't look like a child and don't, don't be offended, <laughs> but, but, uh, you, you look, you look young, you know, and so that's, and you are young. I just mean you look younger than, than you, than, than you are. But anyway, I'm the second oldest here on staff, Kelly. Uh, that's right. That's right. Charlie is the oldest. And then you, yeah, yeah 40, Charlie, Charlie's yeah. the oldest now. Yeah. Yeah, and you actually, you know, you are, you said you're 35, right? Yeah, you are the age that Charlie was when I came on staff here. And Charlie was the oldest person on staff. Wow. 
yeah, we th- th- that was uh, th- those were interesting days, and we had a lot to uh, we had a lot of learning to do. But uh, you know, being young like that, but uh, but the Lord was faithful, and that was that was good. Um, okay, so tell us how you how did you come to know the Lord? I I guess first maybe understood the gospel, maybe as much as you can as a five year old through a program called Awanas. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know what Awanas is, it was really just it's a neat program, a great one, where you come as a kid, you you get food, you play games, but you also memorize scripture. And then at some point during the program, you listen to a devotion given by one of the staff members. And it was through one of those Sunday evenings that a man came up, simply shared the gospel, uh, shared that uh, we're all sinners. I had no idea really what that meant as a five-year-old. And he said, basically, that that's means you've done bad things. And at five, I thought, again, how does he know what I've done? He's <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. And then he explained uh, that because you've done bad things, the penalty is death, and you're going to a place called hell. And then he described hell, and I thought, again, at five years old, I was like, what in the world? I don't want to go to this place. And he said, but you have a Savior named Jesus Christ who died on a cross for you and rose again. And all you have to do is place your faith in him. And uh, sign me up. This is a pretty yeah. easy decision. That's neat. And that's when I first, I believe, kind of understood the gospel, as much as a five-year-old could understand the gospel. Uh, but I think, too, my understanding of the gospel didn't grow too much over the years. And and that's not the fault of my parents or church or anything. That was just me and my understanding of it being that it was really my ticket to heaven. Mm. I thought, wow, okay, <laughs> I have Jesus, I'm going to heaven, I can do whatever I want right now. And, and that's kind of a lot of how I lived my life later on in high school and, and college was just for myself. Yeah, I think a lot of people can identify with that. You know, we think of salvation as being getting out of hell to go to heaven, and that being the end of it. Uh, do the best you can now, someday Jesus comes back, makes everything right. Um and Major Thomas used to say something like that to us. He used to remind us that, you know, salvation is not about getting out of hell to go to heaven. It's about heaven coming back down to earth and to man. Uh, that's my paraphrase of what he used to say. But I always thought that was that, that was a good reminder because we can we can all do that. You know, we just, you know, we think, okay, if salvation is just that moment of conversion, I've done that. Now just, you know, do do the best I can. And, uh, you know, maybe try hard or not. <laughs> and, uh, and, and someday we'll be in heaven. But, uh, you know, the Lord is patient to work in our hearts and to bring us, you know, to, to bring us to an understanding of just what this means to be saved. And, uh, and uh, so I'm assuming, you know, by what you're saying, that that's what the Lord had to do with you too. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Well, what was the what was the uh, process in that? How did he come to to work in your heart to show you that salvation was more than just getting out of hell to go to heaven? Just a, I guess to keep it short and then kind of maybe expand on it after. Okay. I you know it wasn't really until I came to Bible school. It wasn't really until I came here nine months, sat under the teaching, sat under uh, God's word. Mm. for myself for the first time really in my life. Uh, not that I'd never read the Bible, but I'd never meditated on it, never really dug into the scriptures and really never looked at it from the point of view that the whole Bible is about Christ, that it, it focuses on the person of Jesus. Right. And for me, it was the, the first time in my life that I, I really realized that, that mm. Christianity is not some checklist. It's, it's, not a, it's not a what, but a who. I think one of the teachers said that one of the first weeks I was there, and he said, the Christian life is a person, Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and for me, that was really the first time that I started to realize, wow, I, I do have a purpose, and that it's it's more than just me getting into heaven, but Jesus getting into me yeah. and, and living this life. And for me, it was just mind-blowing. Amen. But yeah. I, and, I, and I reached that point. I mean, again, just reiterating my, my background, 
being born Hawaiian, <laughs> but also being Japanese and Italian, but growing up in Texas. Uh, and I grew up with a lot of Mexicans. And being in East Texas, I, if, if you guys don't know anything about East Texas, it's a very interesting place, especially if you grow up near some of the smaller towns. And we grew up in between two small towns next to a really small town <laughs> that had, I think there was 200 kids total in my school. Okay. And so, and, and things there just kind of slow down a little bit, even though the speech slows down. And uh, But growing up Asian in East Texas, I, I didn't quite fit in. And, and that was difficult for, mm. for a lot of reasons. I mean, people really just, they, they would make fun of you for how you looked. And okay. Es- especially uh, for us and our eyes and, and that kind of thing. And now I can look back and think, all right, well, if you you have a problem, take it up with God, right? Mm. But back then as a little kid, I thought, well, something must be be wrong with me. Mm. And I also questioned my purpose in life and why, Lord, why why would you bring me to a place like this? Why are there people like this? What what am I doing here? Mm. Uh, And some things that added to it, I mean, you would go places and one of the first questions people would ask, me at least, was, do you speak English? Oh, wow, really? Yeah, and so that, I mean, and that was also just being mistaken, I, I think, for being Hispanic, and, mm. and people would try to speak to me in Spanish, and <laughs> at that time, I'd be like, I, yeah, I don't, don't speak Spanish. Wow. Sorry. But all of those things combined, just really questioning my purpose and, and, and really opened me up to, okay, asking those questions. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Wow. So, I, I, so that happened in... Public school, yes. Okay, and then you went on to college. Did was it the, you know, same experience? College, it was a little different in that at, at university. It was there was a lot of international students, and okay. so I kind of hung out with the international students. I, I maybe identified more with them. Thought, okay, well, you guys don't fit in here. I don't really <laughs> fit in here. We can get along together, right? <laughs> okay, and but. I hung out a lot with them. In, in college, too, I was, I think I was more of an, an open canvas to for whoever wanted to, to paint on or put ideas into my head. Mm. I, and, and, and that's the direction I was headed. And it started in high school, just grew when I increased when I was in college to just be open. Like, oh, I'm, I'm yeah, this sounds good. I'm still a Christian. But okay. if that's what you believe in, that's good for you, right? Okay. And and that's really boils down to just because my focus was on myself. Mm. I would have probably told you back then that I was passionate about life and that I hated it. Mm. But it was all because it was about me and, and finding out, well, what gives me the most happiness? How can I make the most money? Uh, how can I succeed in life? Mm. And not to blame it all on on society, but I, I really feel like that's what everyone was saying. Like, you just need to find out the best way for you, mm. the best job you can get, then you need to get married, then you need to have kids, then you need to retire. And it was just this list of things that I needed to do and accomplish and check off. Uh, just never ending, really. Wow. And, and I didn't have a good community. I didn't have good uh, Christian friends. Uh, most of my friends were didn't probably didn't believe in God. And that had a lot of influence on me, mm. whereas it should have been the other way around, but mm. it really affected my walk with the Lord. And I, I began really just to drift from Him. And uh, one of the biggest, I think, reasons for that was I, I just didn't spend time in His Word back mm. then. It was a Sunday, maybe a Wednesday evening kind of thing for me. Sure, I'll jump into the Word, listen to it, great. Then Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday was about Kevin Martin. And it was just a, yeah, it wasn't good. Wow. So in college, uh, you didn't have the greatest influences around you. Did um, Now, did you play sports? I played a little soccer in, in high school. Okay. And, and in college, I played just for the intramural okay, so, teams that they had. And um, what was your major? International business. Okay. And, and so is that what you graduated with? Yes. Okay, great. And, and now it was after that, after you graduated, then you came to his hill. Yes, I, I did. I kind of did it in reverse. Most people graduate high school and then go to the, to the hill, but I did it after I did it after college. And the neat thing about that is that it came about through soccer. Okay. In 
See, this is where the soccer thing came in. I, th- I assumed that you played soccer in college, but because you were involved in, um, was it some, you were involved in a, uh, a soccer ministry, weren't you? Yes. Athletes in action. Okay. And, th- but that was after his hill. That was right before his right hill before, and okay. after. Okay. So what what brought you to his hill? You, you've graduated, you've got a business degree, and you, you don't use it. Instead, you come to Bible school. I'm, I'm sure some of your friends thought that was insane. Uh, yeah, he's nodding his head. Uh, but uh, I think a lot of people who come to his hill get that reaction from their friends. But man, you, you have graduated from university and you don't use this degree. Instead, you come to his hill. How did you end up coming here? Yeah, I after I graduated, I worked for a little bit in sales for about a year, but I also helped coach the women's varsity soccer team at the university oh, that okay. I graduated from. And it was through that team, there were two girls on it that were Christian and knew that, that I was a Christian as well, who were had done a missions trip with Athletes in Action. Oh, okay. And so they came to me one day and they were like, Kevin, you're you're a Christian, you love soccer, you need to check out Athletes in Action. And I said, thank you. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> Again, at that time, my walk with the Lord really wasn't there. And so I just thought, okay, great, thanks, girls. We we have drills. Let's, let's do the drills. Yeah, right. And so that was it. But just out of curiosity... I signed up on their newsletter. Um, I put my email in there, and the guy started to contact me after that. And he kept contacting me and contacting me, asking me, do you want to come on this trip? Do you want mm. to do this trip with us? Do you want to work with athletes in action? And I, every time, just didn't respond. I thought, if I didn't answer him, maybe he'll stop. It just go away. Yeah, just go away. <laughs> but he didn't. And one time I thought, okay, Kevin, this is a good opportunity. You get to go. You get to help people. You get to play a sport you love, and you can share the gospel with people. And, and in my mind, I thought, all those things are good. Why not? Okay, I'll sign up. And I went on this trip, and it was really on this trip where I, I guess my heart started to open up to the Lord. My mind started to open back up to the Lord, and it was through a couple of things. It was, one, through the, the guys that were on the trip, 18 other soccer players, and the majority of them loved Jesus and knew the word. I didn't. And I saw that on the trip. And I realized again, kind of that feeling of when oh. I was five, mm. I need Jesus. Mm. And I really, I don't know what happened, but I need Jesus. And, and second, I was challenged by one of the guys that came on the trip that, that helped lead. Uh, and his name was, uh, we all call him Safari Jim. He had really short shorts and a safari hat. So we <laughs> called him, that's what we called him. But he gave a Devo one time that I, I remember this day. And he asked a question during the devotion. And he asked this question. He said, guys, are you Christians who happen to play soccer or are you soccer players who happen, just happen to be Christian? Good question. And, and what he was really asking, he was asking, is Christ the center of your life? Mm-hmm. And, and at that time, I thought, man, he's talking right to me. He's looking me right in the eyes, which he probably wasn't, but I felt that. And he's asking me, and I could clearly say no. He's not the center of my life, mm. but I want him to be the center of my life. And I've seen what he's doing in these guys' lives, and I want that. Mm. And that started a desire in my heart to really know my Bible, really know why I could trust Jesus for who he said he is. And I thought, I, how do I do that? So I came back from this mission trip, and I, I wanted to, to find that out. I was supposed to go to law school that that fall. Oh, okay. I, I got accepted into a law school, and, and that was my... That was my path. That was my direction. I was about to, to, to go to law school, graduate, become a lawyer, make a lot of money, spend on whatever I want. But that mission trip really changed my heart, really changed where I was at, where I was headed, and, and made me realize, wow, I, I need Jesus. I need God. Mm. And without him, <laughs> the rest of this stuff doesn't really mean too much. Wow. And so that's kind of how I got pointed in the direction of um, the realization that I need the Lord. And then I started looking around. See, I think that's a really interesting statement that I need the Lord. And and I want to point out to people that are listening that that a believer said that, you know, that I need the Lord. And I think so often that's the last thing we come to the realization of as Christians that we need Jesus. 
And, and, and I, I appreciate you, you, you know, you, you making that statement. You know, when we were on full-time staff here, you know, Arlene, my wife, she was known for telling people that you need Jesus, you need Jesus. And, uh, you know, for people that know the area, Kevin and I are actually sitting in the log cabin where my family, where we lived. Uh, it's, it's vacant right now, so it was a great place to record. And it's just reminding me, you know, as I'm looking around and I'm seeing the places where Arlene stood and told people that. And, I, and I, so I really appreciate you, you know, making that, uh, you know, that statement, because so often that's the last thing that we want to even encourage Christians toward, that you need Jesus. Instead, we have programs, we have the right answers, you know, that, that, that we want to, you know, we want to, you know, pound on. But, but no, we need Jesus. We never will find ourselves in a place where we don't need him. So I'm sorry, I jumped on a little stump there, but that got me, that got me excited to hear you just make that statement. I, I'm, I'm sorry, continue no, though. You, need, you realize you needed the Lord. I, yeah, I realized that and I thought, well, I, I don't want to go to seminary. Where can I go? Where can I go to simply, I just want to study the Bible and really figure out why I believe what I believe. And I, I was at a point where it, I'm either heading right towards Jesus or I'm heading left towards self-destruction and, mm-hmm. and whatever. And my parents had just moved to the area, into the hill country, at San Antonio, Bernie, and they just started attending a church in Bernie called Bernie Bible, right. where Charlie McCall uh, preaches at. And I, I started to talk to them about this. I said, guys, this is, I know I'm supposed to go to law school, but I, I just have a desire to know Christ and, and to know his word. And, and they said, well, <laughs> funny you mention that. The church we've been attending for the last little bit, the guy who preaches here is also director at a Bible school or a gap year program yeah. where that's basically what they do. They spend nine months looking and digging into the word to know Jesus Christ why don't you talk to Charlie? And so I sent Charlie an email and asked him, what is your, what's your program about? And, and he told me, and, and that was it for me. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> Sign me up again. Wow. I'm there. And I came in September and again, I, you know, was blown away, but it, 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 I almost ended up leaving the school that first day. Did you? I, yep. I, I drove up, made that drive from Bernie, just through on I-10, up the little windy road to the hill and parked my car. And the first person I saw was, I think it was one of the maintenance guys. And then I got into the, the fish house, yeah. the <laughs> dining hall, and, and kind of met some people. And I realized there's only 40 other students here, 50, whatever it was. And we're up on top of a hill for nine months. And, and I started to get scared and think, what am I going to do on top of a hill for nine months with 40 people? I've heard about places like this, <laughs> and they don't end well. <laughs> and, and, I, and I seriously thought, I need to, I need to leave. But, I, I, but also, again, selfish me thought, but they have free food. There you go. I should stay for <laughs> the dinner. And so I, I stayed for that. And at the end of the dinner, as I think they do every year, Charlie simply shared from God's word. Mm. And he shared about the Christian life. He shared about Jesus and about our need for him and that it's not our life. And again, it's just one of those moments where I think the Holy Spirit, through his word, through Charlie, gripped my heart and said, this is where you need to be for nine months. Let me handle the rest of it. Mm. I know you've come from university. You've had a lot of things to do. You've been very busy or whatever, uh, probably wasting your time, but... Let me handle what's going to go on these next nine months. Wow. And the next nine months, I can say with all honesty, were some of the best nine months of my life. And it mm. was simply spent on a hill in comfort, little comfort with not too much to do, but it was some of the best times of my life. And, that, and the reason for that was simply because I got to spend time in his word knowing Christ. Mm. And if you would have asked me that maybe even a year before, two years before, I would tell you no way mm. in the world would you find me stuck on a hill in the hill country studying God's word. That sounds like the last thing I want to do, but it was the best thing. Mm. And it was the best nine months of my life uh, just spent here knowing Christ. That's awesome. I appreciate you being so open with all of that. And, and uh, you were you were here for the for the whole first year. Yes. And after that, you you left to go back on uh, with athletes in action. 
Okay. Now, you to back up just a little bit, you had met somebody when you were in college. And yes. uh, and that became a, 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 a big deal in your life. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So, so in university at SFA over in East Texas, I met Alina, who is now my wife, mm-hmm. and met her through, they, they have a tennis program over there. She came to the States to play tennis on a scholarship. And where I, is she from? She's from Ukraine. Right. Okay. And I knew nothing about tennis, but uh, we were introduced. But by, you were willing to learn. I, definitely willing <laughs> to learn. Drawn totally, not for the tennis, but for her. <laughs> and uh, so we met through some mutual friends. And she knew that I was her boyfriend before I did. Oh, wow. That's kind of, I don't know, just for the short, funny story. We, we went to a thing called uh, Conversation Cafe with her Spanish professor. Okay. She asked me to go with her. I said, sure, let's go. And, and when we got there, she introduced me as her, her boyfriend. And I think we had been on two dates at that time. And in my mind, I, I, I mean, I guess I was her boyfriend. But I hadn't really officially thought, oh, we're boyfriend and girlfriend. But she introduced me like that. And I was like, I, I almost froze up for a second and was like, hi, yes, nice to meet you. <laughs> But uh, then we, we started dating, and, and then that was right at the end of her first year at university and my um, last year in university. And then a year went by, and then that's when I came to Bible school. And, and she was a non-believer, actually, at that time mm-hmm. when we started dating. And that was another big thing when I came to Bible school, which I'd never really thought of before. Don't be unequally yoked. Right. And But that came up time and time again. And it wasn't that the teachers were just like, that's all they talked about. But in God's word, it's it's very clear. Right. And so me and another guy at that time, we're both dating unbelievers, and we'd both come to the conclusion, well, we, we need to end this this relationship that we have with, with someone who is not equally yoked with us. And so both of us came to the decision that uh, we would do this after the Thanksgiving conference. I was hoping you were going to explain this. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't, yeah, I remember why I chose that. I, I chose that date because Alina had said she, she wanted to visit me at mm-hmm. the Bible school. And I'm like, okay, I, I can't do it before that or during that. Like, that would just be messed up. So I'll do it afterwards. Yeah, that makes total sense, right? But for whatever reason, I decided to wait until afterwards. And so Alina comes to Thanksgiving conference, and there was a speaker here by the name of Graham Stanford mm-hmm. from England, a uh, British guy, and and. Throughout the week, every single session, he gave just the clearest presentation of the gospel, of the fact that, yeah, Jesus didn't just come to, to die and rise again, and that's it, but he came to live in us. Mm. And it's the greatest life, the greatest adventure that you can have is life in Christ. And whatever way he communicated that, Alina understood for the first time the gospel because of Graham just being available to come here on a Thanksgiving from England to preach Christ. And, and she came, and I didn't know, I wasn't the first one to know, my mom was. She was staying with my parents, I was here at the hill, and she came home one night, and she, she walked in and told my mom, she said, I think, I think I'm a Christian. And then she explained why. Oh, wow. And my mom was just super excited, and, and, and they told me afterwards, and, and I was super excited, mm. uh, but then I was, I thought to myself, uh, well, I guess my plan of ending the relationship, does, does that need to still continue? Or like, what <laughs> is going on with that? And I thought, and, and I talked to, to some of the older guys about it, talked to my dad about it, and, and everyone said, I, you know, it seems to be genuine, but just you got to see. And so I decided at that time not to, to end the relationship. And now we've, we've been married for, for six years, mm. and, and we have two kids. Mm. And it, it's thank you, Jesus, and, and thank you, Graham. <laughs> Mm. For, for just being available. You know, that, that is such an, an, it's a wonderful story because I remember it all happening and that's not why it's wonderful, but I remember it happening. And what was so wonderful is to see when you looked at Alina, you actually saw her change. Mm-hmm. Like there was, there was something, she was so excited. I remember walking into the fish house and she would come back for visits. And she just loved, you know, she'd see us and you'd think we were her best friends. She was so excited because of what the Lord had done 
in her heart. I think she just, you know, she he changed her. And it, it was, it, you know, you don't always get to see that. Um, and I don't know that it has to be like that, but, but we did get to see that excitement, you know, on this, here, here was an adult, her life had been changed and, and you just knew she had fallen in love with Jesus. And, uh, and it's been neat to watch her grow too. So you guys, um, you ended up getting married, uh, coming on staff all about the same time. And now you have two girls. Yes. Yeah. What is that like? Oh, it's crazy, and it is so amazing too. We we love them. Our oldest is named Valeria, and our youngest is Mila. Okay, and and they're total opposites. Uh, Lera, she is such a talkative, girly girl, and Mila is just our little adventurer. She mm. she I start I think started walking at eight months old and just hasn't stopped, is running now, climbing things. I, I think it's her mission to see how hurt she can get throughout the day. She, <laughs> she climbs up everything, and, and it doesn't matter if it's a foot tall or 10 feet tall. She's mm-hmm. going to test gravity out, mm-hmm. and, and she's found out that it, that it still works. And it's, she, it's just great having them. It's great. The, the things that they say, too, uh, just touch my heart. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been so fun having kids. It's been a big challenge having kids. I think it's brought us closer together as a husband and, and wife and a, and a father and a mother. But uh, it's just done a lot for our hearts in regards to, to the Lord and kind of understanding his, maybe a little bit of how he loves us as, as his mm. children, which I, I didn't know before this, but it's, it's incredible. And it's a great blessing to have uh, our, our two girls. Yeah. Th- you know, I, I can identify with that, you know, cause we have two girls, but, uh, once you have children, you really start to understand why pastors and preachers use their children in illustrations so often. And it's because, for me anyway, it's been just how much the Lord teaches me about himself through my kids. You know, uh, when they're little, you know, they're, you know, the dependency that they have as they start to grow and, the, you know, the things they start to say. And it's just amazing how just there's, there's not as much pollution in their life yet. And, and they just... You know, whatever they say is very straightforward, simple, and you start to kind of get a, you know, that the Lord's kind of gives you a picture of yourself, and uh, and and teaches you a lot with that. So I, I can identify with that. And then they're precious girls too. They're uh, they're um, they're they're just what you've ex- described them as. You know, and and uh, it, it's neat to to see them come into this world and grow, and to see you guys growing as parents. Uh, you, you both of you have had such a, a neat heart in being here because, uh, you know, you guys got moved. I think you got moved around more than any other staff couple uh, from house to house here on the property than, than any other staff I know of. You know, because, you know, for whatever reason, the house that you were in needed to go to, you know, maybe new staff or a growing family. So you had to move to another one and then to another one and another one. And I'm sure it was trying for you, but you didn't cause problems with it. You just willingly moved. And then finally, the Hill was able to purchase a home. Uh, now, for the, our alumni, uh, some of you will know, uh, a few years back, it was uh, Dr. Jennings' home. The Jennings family owned it. And uh, his Hill was able to purchase the, the house with the property, and they renovated it and moved you guys into it. And so now, I guess it's been about two years now that you've been in one place. Yes. Yeah. Two and, years. And, yeah, with an incredible view, probably one of the best views that, that here at his hill as far as the houses are concerned. It is. It's amazing. That's that's neat. So you're up there. And uh, for people who know the area, that's uh, if you're not really sure where Dr. Jennings' house is, well, it's the, it's the house that's not too far from from Diane's house. So, uh, he's, he's up there, his family's up there behind camp. And, uh, so it's, it's a neat place for the kids to be growing up and, and for them to just kind of settle into. Um, now you, uh, you, you told us about your adoption. You told us about what the Lord had, um, you know, some of the things the Lord worked in your heart, you know, in growing up, revealing things to you. But, there was um, also not too long ago. We mentioned it earlier. There was some other another thing you had to go through, and I'm sure the Lord had to work in your heart with some of that too. And that was your dad passing away. Um, this happened uh, just a couple of years ago, uh, about three, and uh, it, it was 
from the time that you knew he was sick to the time that he actually passed away, from what I remember, there wasn't a lot of time for you to process what was going on. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, it, it was really short. I, I mean, he, he passed away from cancer, and the cancer, the doctors say, had probably been in his in his body for the last five to eight years. Okay. But it had reached its peak when we when they finally discovered it. And it was really a period of about three weeks from when he started having pain in his back, which he thought was due maybe to his heart. He had had a quadruple bypass uh, just, I think, a year before that. And so they thought, well, maybe something's wrong with his heart again. And they went in, did tests, but it took about a week and a half before the doctors could even find out that this this is cancer. Mm-hmm. And then by that time, you, you get the news, and, and he called me. We were actually in Ukraine during all of that. We had just left and uh, gone to visit Alina's parents over in uh, Ukraine, and we're getting reports. And it, they actually started look looking better towards the end of the trip. Oh, wow. Started getting updates saying his... Because his blood count had gone really low for for a while, and then it started to shoot back up to normalcy, and uh, we thought, wow, things are looking good, uh, good enough that he could eat uh, uh, enchiladas from Chewy's, really, San Antonio, and and he, it, things look good. And then I flew back before Alina and the kid, uh, I guess later we didn't have a meal at that time, but uh, before Alina and later came back, and the first thing I remember hearing when I got off the off the plane or just landed was I, I got a phone call from my, my dad cause I had texted them saying, Hey, I, I landed and I was in Houston and it's, it's one of those phone calls that you, you don't want to ever get one because as soon as my dad started to speak, I could tell that he, he wasn't well. Mm. I could just hear in his voice and he, he said, son, I, I have something to tell you. And he said, he said, the doctors have, have given me two weeks to, to two months left. Mm. And what do you do with that? Uh, mm. at, at the time, I, I couldn't say anything. And, and my dad, poor dad, was he was on the phone and he was saying, are, are you there? Mm. Are you still with me? Because I, I couldn't say anything to that. And um, yeah, I, I told him, I'm coming. And uh, got off the plane, got got my car, and and drove those four hours. I think it was two a.m. before I I got to the hospital there in San Antonio, and got up to his room, and he was he was awake. He just happened to be awake, and he said, "Good timing." Well, I've got to use the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I got to the hospital, got to spend a little bit of time there, just in the early morning with my dad, and. Uh, then for the next few days, next week or so, got to got to see him a few times with my mom and, and my brothers and my sisters and his friends and people just kept coming into the hospital and he you know he he felt loved those those last mm. few days of his life really loved by the community really mm. loved by the church and the family and God gave us he didn't have to but he gave us good time with with my dad those mm. last few days um of his life and and he said a few things those last few days which stick to me now and and probably stick with me for the rest of my life and one of those was about god's word Mm. and i think he he told charlie this when he came to visit he he said charlie there's one thing that i know and that is god's word is true Mm. all of it Mm. and wow just the encouragement of that And, and the second thing as as a son that he told me he said, "He said, Kevin, I, I, I love you, and I'm, and I'm proud of you. I'm proud of where you're at with the Lord, and just proud of you. And as a son, you, you long to hear those things from your father. And hearing him at that time was uh, such a blessing, mm. uh, especially that that he could still talk and and you can understand him still at that time. And yeah, the last few days, probably the last day, was was probably the toughest for me because at that time I, I had a hard conversation with my mom." to tell her to go home because she had stayed with this with, with my father with, with her husband just day after day night and day not sleeping not resting just taking care of him and for me that showed me just the love of christ through her mm. sacrificing mm. Her, her body her mind for for my dad 
and just being there to attend to any little need he had, mm. turning him in the bed, giving him food, water, whatever it was, she was there. Uh, but she had been there too long. And mm. we, we, me and my brother talked to her and said, you need to get a one-night rest at least. Go home, sleep in your own bed, get eight hours of sleep at least, and come back and, and you can see him. And so we convinced her to, to go home. And she went home that night, and it was just me and me and Dad for the night. Okay. And I didn't know at the time, but it was his his last night. Mm. And the hardest thing that night, Kelly, was really just wanting to see my dad comfortable. And mm. and at this point, the, the cancer was in his brain, it was in his spine, his lymph nodes, it was all over his body, and it didn't matter where we got him, positioned him, he was. He was uncomfortable, and I just wanted to see him not in pain and and not struggling uh, for life, really. Uh, and and that was the hardest part, and, and really just asking, praying for the Lord, can you give him just a little rest? And at about midnight, he, he really answered that prayer where we got a position for him where he just folded his hand, closed his eyes, and went to sleep. Mm. And I finally thought, okay, I, I'm going to, my bed was right next to him. I'll get some sleep too. And I, I fell asleep and the nurse came in around 3.30 that that morning to wake me up. And, you know, it's dark. I'm kind of disoriented, don't know what's going on. She wakes me up and, and she just gently tells me, she says, son, your dad, your dad's heart stopped. And he, he was gone. Mm. Um, and again, it was, it's, it's probably the saddest moment in, in my life so far is just losing him, but also one of the most joyous moments that I could have is knowing that that day that he left us, he was with Jesus yeah. and that it was, the best day for him. Mm. And we grieved, but we also rejoiced that he was with the Lord. He was free of pain and free of this body and, and with Jesus. And that it was the best day and will be the best day of his life every day from now on. And mm. that for us <laughs> was how we could rejoice in something like that, but also just one of the saddest moments for, for me. Wow. Well, I appreciate you being so open about that. And, uh, you know, I tell you, Glenn was just a special person. And, and I, I know that the six years we were gone when we'd come back to visit and go to Bernie Bible, there was, you know, often Glenn's right there and in the hallway and, you know, and we'd have really good visits and he always had time for people and I had a servant's heart. You know, he, I remember, I remember one time he was just driving down the road and there's a fire, you know, on the, you know, brush fire right there on the side of the road and right away he's out and 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 at it, you know, he's you know, he's he's taking care of it and he he was always observant. Always, you know, of course something like that's hard to miss, but but my point being that he was always ready to to give of himself and help. And uh uh and you know, he's missed you know, by certainly by your family, but you know, by the church as well, um, was a good man and a good example of what a what a godly man is, a man who loves his wife and um, and uh, appreciate that example. Um, so, I, I you know I really appreciate you you know sharing those moments and and also sharing with us just you know what the how the Lord's worked in your heart with those things and how He's been faithful in your heart, showing you you know these things that you shared with us. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, we're just about out of time here, but uh, before we go, I would um, I'd like to uh, give you the opportunity to let our alumni know uh, what are what's something that you have really enjoyed and uh, appreciate about being on staff here at His Hill. You know, I think for for both of us, for Alina and I, and for our our girls, I think one of the biggest thing is just the the Christ centered community here, mm. Kelly. It's it's been amazing, and especially we we came on. I think we'd been married for maybe 
half a year at that time. Mm -hmm. But to to be able to join a community that's Christ-centered and and just loves to get back to God's word has been so big for us and so big for our girls mm. that, yeah, that's something that I think we've both enjoyed, really loved just being a part of, that the Lord didn't have to allow us to be here, but we get to be, and, and we get to be a part of a community where people just love, and, and they love well, and they love because of Christ in them, and, and they know it, mm. and and they'll be the first to admit it, it's not us. We know how we are, mm. but it's Christ in us that, that loves. And and to be a part of that and, and part of the student body and be involved in the story that the Lord's writing here in Little Comfort has, has just been a, a joy for us and uh, just so amazing to, mm. to be a part of that. All right. Well, we're sure glad to have you here. Um, again, it's, it's fun for me to watch somebody that uh, has, you know, kind of new, but didn't really know, ends up being a student and growing in Christ and, um, and then to get married and then come back on staff and to be such a, a, a big part of what's going on now. It's just fun to see how the Lord is just works in someone's heart like that and, can, and, and, and what he's capable of doing. Uh, well, we're, we're out of time and we really haven't covered everything that we, I thought we, we would. Uh, but uh, I think maybe if you're open to it, maybe we could do this again and uh, and talk more about what you do here, and uh, you know because it, it's it, you're quite involved and uh, to kind of bring the alumni up with what's going on there. Definitely. Okay. Well, good. Well, I really do. Again, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your openness and your uh, your testimony of the faithfulness of Jesus that He's more than a ticket to heaven, but that He's your life and He's faithful. So thank you, Kevin. Thank you. I want to thank you for listening to this week's episode. I also want to say thank you for all the messages of encouragement that we've been receiving. We praise God for how he's using the podcast in your lives and for allowing us to reconnect with so many of you. Bible school's off to a great start. We're just finishing up the second full week of classes, and we ask that you be praying as the students leave for their fall mission trip, this year going to Nacogdoches, Texas. As I speak, the fall newsletter is being put together with the hopes of it being sent out in early October. If you're no longer receiving the newsletter and would like to get back on the list or maybe start getting it for the first time, please contact the office by email at registrar at hishill.org or by phone at 830 835-3388. Just to remind you, our teachers are available to speak at your church, our event, in person or by live stream if that works better. Just get in touch with me if you're interested at kelly at hishill.org. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Kelly Doherty, reminding you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus.